The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, a rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, what is this I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship because you can no longer be my steward. The steward said to himself, what shall I do now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me? I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do so that when I am removed from the stewardship, they may welcome me into their homes. He called in his master's debtors one by one. To the first he said, how much do you owe my master? He replied, 100 measures of olive oil. He said to him, here is your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write one for 50. Then to another, the steward said, and you, how much do you owe? He replied, 100 cores of wheat. The steward said to him, here is your promissory note. Write one for 80. And the master commended that dishonest steward for acting prudently. For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If therefore you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? If you are not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. The Gospel of the Lord. Much of the Gospel that we just read is straightforward enough. You can't serve God and, and wealth at the same time. You need to pick one or the other. But throughout Jesus' words, there's this very strange uh, message. He says, make friends with dishonest wealth. In some translations, it says, make friends with stolen wealth. And then if you do, you'll get to go to heaven. This is kind of how it sounds. And uh, at least I was personally when I read it, wondering what he meant. And I figured some of you might want to know sort of how to interpret this parable. Thankfully, the church for thousands of years now, uh, since the beginning, the church fathers wrote about this parable and they explained what it, what it meant. So I think I'll attempt to do that myself as well. These aren't my ideas. These are all the way back to St. Augustine. Well, to uh, understand the parable, you have to, let's just kind of go back over it briefly. There's a, a man, a master, the lord of the house, and he has an administrator who takes care of his money. The administrator is doing things, probably stealing little bits here and there, and the master of the house finds out and he's going to fire his administrator. And he says, get the books together and uh, I'm going to fire you. So this man does what he can 
to uh, make sure that his future is secure. So he takes all those debtors, forgives much of their debt, and makes himself friends all over the city, knowing that the next day when he's fired, he'll have plenty of places that will welcome him. To understand the parable, we probably have to figure out first who is the master of the house. In the Greek, it calls him the Lord of the house, and that would be God. And each one of us here is the steward. That's pretty straightforward. But what is this about dishonest wealth or stolen wealth? Well, the answer requires a little bit of or a lot of humility on our part. And the answer begins by simply saying, everything you have, everything I have, is thanks to God. None of us here asked God to have a life. He didn't really ask us. He freely gifted us a life. It's not really ours. And you might be thinking, well, I've done a lot with my life. I've earned a, a good living. I've got a big bank account or whatever. I've done these things in my life, and that's true. But in the end, the ability to do any of that still comes from God. Your life that you have is a treasure that doesn't really belong to you. It belongs to God. And that is how you understand what this stolen treasure is that we have. So you take those concepts, you sort of plug them into the equation, and Jesus is saying, the life that you have, live a good life with that life to make sure that you will enter into heaven. And the only thing that's good about this administrator, this steward who's stealing things, Jesus doesn't really, he's not saying it's good to be stealing things, right? He's simply saying the steward has a lot of foresight and he's doing everything he can to make sure his immediate future, the day of tomorrow, is secure. And he's going to do anything that he needs to do to make sure he has life tomorrow. And then Jesus sort of almost complains a little bit. He kind of says, you know, the, the people that are just focused on this world, the children of this generation, they'll do anything they can to have a better future. But the children of the light we so often don't think about our future in heaven. We do very little for that. And so the conclusion of the parable is for each one of us to ask ourselves tonight, am I living a life that will lead me to heaven? Am I investing more time in heaven than I am here on earth? Where is my heart and that brings you to the question, is my heart attached to God or to wealth and riches? Happily, the conclusion is even better, though. You might be thinking, okay, well, I have to now do at least 51% of my time has to be given to God and 49 to my life here. And any parent sitting here who's got a little child, well, you basically spend 99% of every waking moment taking care of that child, right? And how are you going to give anything extra to God? Thankfully, we're not fundamentalist type Christians that sort of see an opposition between our beautiful life here and our life in heaven. To love your spouse is investing in heaven. To be a good spouse who daily gives your life for the person you love. 
Every time a parent takes care of their child, you're investing in heaven. For our young people here, many of you are all day, it's basically you're being asked to study. And when you go off to college, you have to spend so much time studying. You're investing in your future. But a Christian student doesn't just think of their future in terms of making money. What's the purpose of preparing yourself for tomorrow? It's to be able to have a home of your own and support a family of your own to make the world a better place tomorrow because of you and what you've done with your time and the talents God has given you. And so there's no contradiction in the sense living a Christian life here and now is a beautiful way to invest in our life to come. There is a question that I think we should ask ourselves and keep in mind. I, I love this question when I ask the question. It's going to sound like a, a false question. It's not even a real question, but it is. The steward was worried about where he would be 24 hours later. A Christian can ask themselves, where do I want to be a hundred million years from now? Yes, it's a real question. You might say, but I'll be dead. Who cares? No, you, you will have died, but you will still be. Your soul is immortal and will be somewhere a hundred million years from now. It's a very sobering question. When you think about it, our life is a blink of an eye. It's beautiful, but it goes so fast. We are children of the light, not children of this world. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.